but I'm going to ask the question that's always on every teacher's mind. I think always, it's all about time. <laughs> the butterfly to Christmas, as we're calling it, we want better teaching and better learning. That's a very primary school analogy, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hello World, a podcast for educators interested in computing and digital making. I'm Carrie-Anne Philbing, a computing content creator for the Raspberry Pi Foundation, currently leading the development of the Teach Computing curriculum. And I'm James Robinson, a computing educator, and I'm working on projects promoting effective pedagogy within the subject. If you want to support our show, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. In this episode, we are learning more about the ABC curriculum design process developed by UCL for use in universities and asking if it can help classroom teachers to plan more balanced online learning activities. We have a fantastic lineup of guests who have been thinking about this in relation to computing lessons. But before we hear about their work, I thought we'd do a quick pop quiz to find out what you already know about the ABC curriculum design process, James. Well, um, I've, I'm aware of it. I've heard of it and I've read um, the article written by our two guests. But I think we're probably going to have to defer to them a little bit in terms of their expertise. But I think for me, what's really interesting about the ABC design process and it's one of these processes that we can use at the moment to really kind of think carefully about the kinds of learning experiences that we're providing for our learners, particularly as we kind of we've had this period in the last year of trying new approaches to online and remote teaching. And I think now is a really interesting period for educators as they reflect on that experience and think about what practices from that experience they can bring into their normal and in inverted commas teaching uh, and so i think this this whole question is really really interesting but i think you know we're going to probably have to talk to our guests a little bit further to get sort of delve into some of the details of of abc so for a lay person like me who doesn't know anything can you give me like what is the takeaway what is the thing about this process so I think one of the key things is that what we do is we categorize different learning experiences depending on what's, what's sort of happening for the learner, whether they are acquiring knowledge, whether they're collaborating with other learners, practicing. Um, and then what we do is we identify types of activities that will help us do that. We might identify an in-class process or, or experience and then sort of mirror that with a remote or online or an activity that kind of suits the context within which we work, we're working. And I think it really helps educators kind of identify and really focus in on what is the learning that needs to take place and how can I facilitate that in the context that I am working in now. Yeah, so I think that's the really key thing is it helps, it helps educators identify alternatives um, to how they might do things already in their classroom. Not that we have to take your word for it, James. We've actually got some experts here with us who can tell us <laughs> what, what all of this is about. So joining us is a computing education researcher currently responsible for computing education research projects in the new Raspberry Pi Foundation Research Group, Jane Waite, and Matthew Wimpenny-Smith, leader of digital strategy for his school, teach computing primary hub lead, CAS community leader, Raspberry Pi certified educator, all-round amazing teacher, Matthew. So Jane, put us out of our misery. What is the ABC curriculum design and what led you to think about its application to computing lessons? Well, thank you very much for inviting Matthew and myself to, to, to kind of talk about this today. It's a topic that I'm very passionate about and I'm going to kind of go at it from a bit of a circuitous kind of approach that when lockdown first happened or when COVID, the horrible thing that it is, landed. I started to look for research which could help 
myself as an educator and also teachers in schools and also um, lecturers at Queen Mary's because that's where I was working at the time to better deliver lessons online to students. And there is a terrible lack of high quality research in this area, particularly for classroom settings. And what research there is, is really conflicting. You'll kind of read one piece of research and it'll say this works. And then you'll read another piece of research and it'll say absolutely the opposite. So I was kind of looking for something that at least gave us a process to evaluate what we did in, in our normal classroom activities and then translate it into an online learning um, environment. And that's exactly what ABC is. So it's a way of looking at what you already do. It's very pragmatic. Um, look at what you already do. Analyze what are called learning types. And they're not learning styles. It's not the learning styles that have been debunked. It's learning types. And that's based on the work by Diana Lorillard on her conversational theory, which is a really well-founded theoretical framework for thinking about teaching and learning, that framework is used to think, what do we do now and how could I change it into an online learning context? So that's what ABC is. That's really interesting. And I think I've I read the article, I think, you know, you make, you make pains to distinguish it from learning styles, which I think is really important um, because it is something that's been widely debunked, although it does still sometimes persist a little bit. Um, and so um, let's just sort of go to Matthew. So Matthew, your involvement was, so there was a trial of this, um, with a with a group of different schools, what led you to kind of get involved in the trial as a primary teacher? It was uh, well, obviously, getting in contact with Jane. Jane or oh, Jane contacted me and said, "We want to try this stuff out. Uh, could I join in?" And that was, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we at the at the time we sort of had to make this rapid move from you know traditional classroom teaching to remote learning overnight, practically. Uh, and the second time that the, the prime minister gave us a very short window of time to get stuff sorted. Um, and so, you know, there was this, this, this clambering around. I mean, luckily, we had already kind of done a bit of this before. We had started dipping our toes into the power of using platforms like Google Classroom and Seesaw and all these platforms that we're using. So there was a we were doing it, but it was very drip, drip, drip. And then all of a sudden the tap turned on and it was like a flood. Um, and so it was like we need something quick. And of course, being a, working at independent school, I couldn't just say, oh, let's go to BBC Bite Size or do this because our parents were, were paying. So, you know, there was this thing about, well, we, we want to, you know, we've got to keep having the fees paid. So it's got to be good quality what we do. And so that was where I sort of like jumped in with Jane in, in that sense. And, and we sort of looked at developing this a bit further and, and we put together a small working group. And, uh, you know, Jane headed that group up and we came up with these sort of plans. So, um, yeah, good. Really interesting. And, uh, yeah, yeah, really interesting to see how it how it took off. So one of the dangers of teaching um, our subject of computing or teaching in a room where you have computers, I think, is that teachers can often design activities where they can be quite passive. I think this is what I'm learning from this conversation. I think um, you mentioned BBC Bite Size, which is a kind of website provided by the BBC that has a lot of videos on it. Uh, and so that there could be a passive activity where you just watch the video. So this process is about identifying activities that um, form different, have different types of perhaps interaction or, or a different approach that can help in your design. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, so what, we were, what we were finding was that, you know, a lot of it was just acquisition. 
uh, people just acquiring knowledge, but not much else happening, and maybe the odd quiz or, or so on and so forth. But what we really wanted was to continue those learning habits that we were forming in school. So around collaboration, discussion, investigation, practice, all those learning habits that we were kind of building before pandemic, we needed them to be online as well. And so this was a key, a way of, of keying that in. Uh, and, it, and it's not necessarily just for computing. I mean, the cards that I wrote were about maths and English and stuff like that. So it's it's applying the tech to other subjects as well, uh, which I think is key to this too. So it's not just a computing thing. Jane, you're, you're looking to come in. Yeah, I was just going to kind of um, echo everything that both of you had said, that the underlying theory is about get, getting a balance of these learning types. So as Matthew said, there's acquisition, which is this idea of a direct transmission, which we still need to, to have, but it's it's the idea is not to have what's called a, an acquisition rocket. And what you do is you draw um, a diagram which shows the balance of these uh, different, like there's the six learning types. And if it's all acquisition, then you can imagine it's like a rocket that's just that particular approach. And then often what you have is you have an acquisition rocket with a little bit of tailwind and the kind of the kind of the the bit that comes off the bottom of the rocket, that's the practice or production. And often in online learning, it's a very passive acquisition, reading lots of stuff, watching videos, and then a quiz. And the quiz is this tiny bit of practice or production. Usually it's practice. And it's just, if you look at the way, and particularly I think in primary schools, it's a very balanced circle in that you've got investigation, collaboration, discussion, practice, production, and acquisition. So you kind of end up with this circle of all these different components, like pieces of a of a pie that all, oh, a pie, pieces of a pie that kind of all kind of fit together. Whereas when we go to online learning, we almost throw away all that fabulous practice that, you know, our, our lesson, how we normally organize and design our lessons. And really what's interesting is in universities, because ABC was developed for universities, it, I think it was very much about shifting from a heavy acquisition type approach to having all these more practice, collaborative, um, investigative approaches that we see in classrooms. So actually bringing good practice into universities. But I think for in emergency remote teaching, it was almost like really about reminding teachers that these are the things you normally do, don't lose them. Matthew, you talked about this wasn't just for computing, like this is practice that can be applied across all subject areas. And so I wondered if it was something that you sort of provided some training for, for other members of staff. Uh, I know as part of this sort of trial that we did within computing lessons, um, there was probably a bit of training to get teachers to understand the six areas and then um, do some prep work in planning for their lessons. Is that something that you experienced? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, we we introduced it to 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 the teachers. Um, I got my deputy head involved quite quickly, deputy head teaching learning, uh, and she was very interested in it. And as a way as a way forward, and so we introduced the concepts through staff meetings and things like that during the pandemic. You know, during lockdown school, and gradually we started to see the shift in people's thinking around what they could achieve or what was doable. Uh, within within that, and th and this helped to scaffold that. If you see what I mean, um, I mean we were lucky in terms that we we were quite a high tech school anyway. You know, we we'd already had these platforms in place, and we were doing bits of training around them. But it was a shift, and and it also gave people the opportunity to look and audit what tech we had 
you know, we created these technology wheels, you know, like a, a pie chart really. And, and for each of the areas, each of the six cards, we would look at, you know, which apps would you use with each of those. And that was really useful for staff as well, because they were able to say, all oh, right, I'm doing acquisitions, so I'm going to use these apps. But if I do collaboration, I wanted to use, you know, Seesaw and uh, all these other apps that we can use for collaboration, and so on and so forth. So, so it really helped to funnel and start to focus people's understanding of what is doable uh, in the remote emergency remote teaching, really. And that really helped. Actually, we did a survey of our parents during second lockdown. We did a survey about satisfaction of the quality of education they were getting, and it, it had gone up quite considerably. You know, in, in yeah. So in lockdown one, it was very much you know, okay, yeah, it, it's mediocre. We're not that satisfied. To actually, this is really good. You, you've managed to replicate school. It's amazing uh, online, which is which is amazing. So you know, we were doing a lot more live lessons as well. That was a there was a shift as well in terms of live lessons as opposed to pre-recorded as well that happened and i think that was you know because of this sort of research as well and so you kind of touched upon this question a little bit already matthew but what have you and your colleagues in your school learned from this experience are there things that you know lessons that you've learned from this that you will apply to teaching going forward the butterfly to chrysalis as we're calling it in school um is that we're going to make sure that we continue to use these platforms to drive the learning and continue to use the abc method to help structure that online learning content and what's happening is that a lot of teachers now are creating content online in releasing it to the children before the lesson so they can see it and they can engage with it it's starting to do a little bit more of that flipped learning uh, is going on a bit more um, and, and really it's just upskilled both students at, you know the, the pupils and the teachers have been massively upskilled uh, during this whole process so yeah so we are seeing changes and we are seeing these butterfly to chrysalis things that we're keeping that's a very primary school analogy i love it um <laughs> having a primary school child myself who is just doing the chrysalis butterfly at the moment <laughs> so what um and is, is it something that was taken on by all teachers of all sort of subjects you know kind of equally or are there certain areas of the curriculum that it's been more challenging to apply or has it been fairly universal? Yeah, the, the challenging parts were, were more of those sort of practical subjects um, a little bit. Um, I mean, it lent itself nicely to, to you know, to reading and, and writing and all those, those sort of traditional subjects. But where we had DT and um, and some of the science stuff, it was a bit harder and you had to think a little bit more. Uh, for computing as well, actually, it was, the challenge with computing was that I was teaching scratch coding during lockdown, using as much of this as we could. But obviously, the device that I wanted them to code on was already engaged with them doing the the meet on, you know, the live lesson on. So there was a, you know, we had to teach children a lot about task management and task switching and stuff like that. So, so that was quite, you know, it was quite challenging. And really, down to year three, you know, down to year three, it was it was doable. Below year three, we were finding it a lot harder. And what age is that group? So year three are seven year olds, seven eight year olds. So yeah, so it's 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 harder with the younger ones. But it's amazing what they what they did achieve. But I think that overcoming some of those challenges kind of gives them a reason to engage in some of those digital skills, like teaching a child how to task switch previously when actually they didn't need to. Whereas like when you've got multiple windows and you're having to juggle them, task switching becomes more important. Yeah. And what we did find was that now children come into to lessons and they, they know that they, they instinctively go to these platforms and they pick up their work. You know, they, the, the start of the lesson is much more independent of you know they go in they log in they, they pick up their work they just they, they see it there they get on with it and it's really they've become sort of conditioned to do that better 
And Jane, did you want to come in on on that kind of that that learning that we've taken from this process? Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna link that back as well to the origins of ABC. ABC was all about localizing the process to your context. So what you do is you create. Matthew's kept talking about cards, which people are thinking, oh, "What cards are these?" But you create an a set of ABC cards for your context, and by context, I mean. What's the key stage? What's the subject? So the topic that you're teaching. So the ABC and the different tools that you might use and the different ratios of the different learning types might vary teaching geography to teaching computing to teaching English to teaching a five-year-old to teaching a 21-year-old. And there's other things that are involved as well. There's the context of your school. And that's not just the context of your children, it's the context of your teachers and also of your parents. So learning online and particularly in emergency remote teaching is not just about the, the kind of one group. It's about all, it's a whole community and who's ready for everything. And it's, you know, you might have low, medium and high tech approaches for the same learning type across different schools and even in different classrooms within the same school. So it's all about localization. And we definitely did do that. We had that spectrum happening through the school. Yeah. And they could access it at the level that they could access it at. And it's the class teachers that knew the level at which the children could access, really. So there's a lot here about the activities um, that are undertaken as part of the learning in the classroom. But I'm going to ask the question that's always on every teacher's mind, which is about assessment. <laughs> so can this be applied to assessment or what does this mean for assessment? So assessment is really interesting. So as, again, as part of the ABC process, you get to a point where you look at where the assessment opportunities are. Now you can't do assessment in acquisition. It just, you've got to be producing something. So it's got to be either within a collaborative where you can listen or uh, where you're actually producing some kind of artifact so when when you're doing the process you put it's all about little stickers which again is very primary the idea is that you put stickers onto the different learning um the learning types and the ins where you're actually you've organized that activity and you say well is there an opportunity here for me to assess and you can imagine that if you've got that acquisition rocket and the only place that assessment occurs is in that multiple choice question. And that's a very blunt instrument. So assessment is very much built into the whole ABC process. Thank you. This feels like it's the kind of activity that is really beneficial. We've talked about some of the benefits, but what are maybe some of the challenges um, that either, you know, Matthew experienced or other teachers on this trial experience? What are the kind of the costs of engaging with ABC and what are the challenges that teachers might face when they undertake this process? It was just a, a case of, it was the time to put in to develop the, the cards as such for your, you know, for your subject uh, or what you were teaching and then thinking about the, the tech that you would use. And maybe uh, the challenge was learning the new tech to be able to do those things. I suppose what we were trying to do is also alleviate the workload as well, because we were saying, well, actually, take your plans that you've already done, apply, you know, look at them and look at these cards. And does it give you ideas? And look, this is the tech that we can use. And I think we, we also were very keen to try and standardize a bit as well and say, you know, let's, let's not make it too complicated for ourselves. You know, let's stick within the Google apps or let's stick within, you know, the Seesaw app and, and, and just stay like that and just, you know, we'll get through this. 
what we actually want is better pedagogy, not better sort of gadgets and bells and whistles. We want better teaching and better learning. I think that was the focus. I think that's really important, sort of rooting those technology decisions in the pedagogy first, rather than choosing a technology and then figuring out how to use it later on. And I think you mentioned standardization. I think also that's really important, thinking about consistency for our young people. If every different teacher they work with or every different lesson uses a different technology, different app, different approach, all to do very similar things, you know, collaboration is done in eight different ways, well, actually, that can be really confusing and overloading for a young person. So I think it's not just about standardization from a teacher perspective, but consistency from the learner's perspective. Jane, did you see any other challenges that, that teachers sort of presented? No, I think the big thing is time. Mm. So that was the thing. We started with 20 people on the original working. So it's part of the CAS research working group and we started off with 12, 20 people and it kind of it ended up with the five of you didn't five six of you in the end who created cards but we had to work together so we met as a group and I supported the teachers to create their cards to, to localize the ABC process but then once they had the cards then they were off and so Claire Buckler, she created a whole set of cards for secondary across all of the different learning types. And she embedded within it, you were talking about training, she embedded links within the online cards to videos, which um, then trained the teachers in that tool. Um, and Calvin Robinson, he did a whole set of cards on programming in secondary. What was interesting for that one was the we had added in low, medium and high tech columns, which was brand new. It wasn't something that the universities do. He could see and use that to support other teachers as they were using ABC. Matthew did a whole set of cards with his school for primary. Gillian Bratley did some cards for teacher training. So that standardization, it was the idea of here are some examples now that other teachers can use. But it's about the investment of time in the beginning to create the cards for your context that is the barrier, I think. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I think it's it's nice that we've addressed that secondary primary thing because I think, you know, clearly we're talking to Matthew who's a primary teacher and has lots of experience there, but it's 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 good to hear that this was used successfully by both primary and secondary colleagues. Um, so that's that's great. And you've written an article about this for Hello World. It's in issue 14, if anyone wants to go back and read it. Any chance of a follow-up article? It sounds like, you know, that, that a lot happened. <laughs> and I think it would be uh, interesting for our listeners and our readers to see some more examples. Or have you thought about doing a paper, an academic paper? Yeah, I think we'd love to do a paper, wouldn't we, Matthew? <laughs> We'd like to do a paper. It's always just, guess what? It's all about time. <laughs> um, and I think it, we've also created um, a set of um, learning activities, which are part of a CAS in a box. And I think it would be really interesting to see how other teachers might have started to use it. Or we could review how the, the core kind of group at the beginning, how it's evolved for them. Um, but I think always it's all about time. Yes. And I mean, you were mentioned the article. Well, where else can people go if they want to find out a bit more about the ABC process themselves? We've mentioned the CAS Computing at School um, resource, the CAS in a box. Where else can teachers go to find out more about the ABC process, Jane? You can look at the UCL website, but the UCL website has the material which has not been adapted for use in schools. So it's the university view of things. I think the most useful thing are the cards 
that the core group created from the working group. Because if you don't see the cards that are relevant to your context, it's kind of, what does that mean to me? So that was why it was really important for us to create those examples. Then you can use, modify and create them. Um, So then you kind of, you know, use those cards yourself and and adapt them. So that, yeah, I think that's, that's the most useful thing. Super. And we'll provide links to all of those in our in our show notes. Great. Well, we asked our listeners, are there any activities, strategies or practices that you developed whilst teaching remotely that you might adapt for normal teaching? So um, I've got a really nice quote here from uh, Alexis Kobo, who is a curriculum consultant from Florida, who's also a, a Raspberry Pi certified educator. And she shares her experience of sharing and breaking down her projects into small flipped classroom videos and that really helped differentiate instruction for students who needed targeted instruction they could replay the videos as much as necessary um, and then those that were ready to move on could advance at their own pace so really like that idea of, of flipping the classroom around you and using the technology to enhance that and Matthew kind of referred a little bit to that as well. And Kyle Wilkie said something very similar, a Raspberry Pi certified educator in the US. At the very beginning of lockdown, I started a YouTube channel for our school and did the Code Club activities. Every other week, I would play the students' creations. It was a really fun way to kind of have an audience and and, and let them have an audience to the work that they had created. Once I got in-person Code Club backup, I want to continue it, but maybe have students do their own voiceovers for their own uh, creations in scratch and then uh, amanda uh, amanda hawes who was our, our guest in episode one of the podcast um she's actually written a blog post about uh, her plans going forward where she's planning to take a more personalized approach to her cs instruction via flipped mini lessons gamification and badging to help motivate learners and you can read more about her approach in blog post which we'll link to in the show notes If you have a question for us or a comment about our discussion today, then you can email via podcast at helloworld.cc or you can tweet us at helloworld underscore edu. My thanks to Janeway and Matthew Wimpenny-Smith for sharing their research with us today. And you can read their article on ABC curriculum design in issue 14 of Hello World by visiting helloworld.cc. That leaves me to say to you, James, what did we learn today? I think I had this sort of this very loose idea of what the ABC design process was so it's really nice to delve into that in a bit more detail I think the biggest thing that I think I would take away from this as a teacher is to really reflect upon and almost audit those activities that we're doing in the classroom and think about you know am I just providing activities which are promoting acquisition well I learned that an acquisition rocket is a thing and it's a bad thing (laughs) 